hey, it's Mind Over Movies time. It's the time of the day where um, you got to think a little. You have to uh, open your mind up a little bit, get those brain juices flowing, and listen to these two white males talk in your ear about cinema. They have something to say. They have a they, lot to they're, say. They're going to really change your insight as they as they nitpick everything. That's <laughs> what, uh, two uh, college level? Well, I, you're out of college now. Yeah, so. hey, I've graduated from that. We're, I'm target uh, level. Two early 20s males nitpick uh, films. Um, yeah, yeah, they don't we're... really have any like grounds to do so, I don't guess, but we do. You know what? I I bought that series. I ordered it, and it's going. We're on episode six, baby. You know, it's it, it's a concept that goes strong. Yeah. I recently looked up the other day, Mind Over Movies, and someone else's film podcast came up, and I was like, Oh, oh no! Oh, there is another. Oh. But they only did six episodes. So with this Ooh. and the next episode, we become the dominant we Mind become Over the Movies. Dominant. Yeah. Also, um, I don't know how like legal stuff works there. I don't know if they ever like claimed a copyright. I mean, how long ago was it? I don't like it. Four years ago, I think. I think it yeah, was 2016. No, we're good. No, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> they only did six episodes in 2016. I- I'm gonna say we're good. I don't know. Hey, it's recorded in history <laughs> right here. <laughs> Well, I mean, as long as we get a, we can uh, purchase a, a, a thing that makes us official or something. Yeah, can't we? Like a little badge. Yeah, well, says, I mean, like I'm a, a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of little old messes, little old messes. Did you see any little old things? called movies this week uh, well um with uh christmas um oh. i uh, didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot i did i did start watching this is very obscure this is not a new movie by any means but um if anybody's familiar with louis lamour the western author wrote tons of western novels that have been adapted into films um i watched one on vhs which me and Isaac were just gushing about. Oh uh, yeah, VHS is amazing. Watching films on VHS. It's is, almost like Laserdisc. I know, almost. Um, <laughs> but I watched a movie called Conagher. Um, and actually, I stopped it. It had about maybe like 30 to 40 minutes left. And it was the worst Western I've ever watched in my life. Um, very disappointed. Um, well, I've actually heard about that. You've heard about Conagher? Yeah, isn't it spelled like K O N N E? No, no, <laughs> never mind. Different. It's it's spelled C O N N A G H E R. I've never heard of this, I'm, and I'm sure then. it's not Louis Lamour Lamour's fault because he's a like he's a great you know writer. He's uh, but I the film was adapted. It was just the most boring western I've ever seen. Most uninteresting. Um, piece of garbage, uh, honestly. Sam Elliott, you know, he was in it. He was Sam what? Elliott. Yeah, love Sam Elliott. That's like a recipe for success. I know, there, yeah. I know. It was. It's not. It's. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was very bad. The only um, uh, uh, enjoyment I got out of it is the fact that it was on VHS. So I, the, I would have stopped it way earlier, but I was enjoying just watching a movie on VHS that I literally kept watching it for that reason. And then it got to a point where I was tired, and I was like, "I'm I'm going to bed," so I turned it off. Um, 
So don't watch Conagher or go watch if you want. But that's all. That's really all I've seen in the in the Christmas uh, holiday season yeah. with everything going on. We're we're big uh, we're big believers in watching movies at Christmas time. So when I got home, we watched a couple. Mm. I uh, f- positive out of the way. I saw Point Break for the first time. I'd never mm. ever seen it, um, and. I think the hype is true. It's the greatest surfer crime movie <laughs> of all time. Also, one of the most homoerotic movies I've ever seen. Like <laughs> the fact that Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves do not make out by the end of that film's runtime is it's it's a crime. It's okay. like a literal crime. They're about to do it at least like ten times. I felt like like there's a mouth. There's a line um, <laughs> that Patrick Swayze says. It's you want me so bad, it's like acid in your mouth. <laughs> when, what? No, what? Is that really like... I've never seen Point Break. So no, like, it's, I, they're like into each other, dude. <laughs> Bodie and whatever Keanu Reeves' character is. I, there's an electricity to Keanu Reeves' performance. He's like doing this like surfer bro thing. Like at one point, his like boss is talking to him about like how like the undercover mission is going. He's like... Are you getting chicks on the beach surfing all day? And Keanu Reeves is like, uh, sir, the correct term is babes. <laughs> Why? Because he's undercover. He's a surfer but now. I'm just... <laughs> it's an arc. He's more surfer than he was at the start of the film. I mean, that makes me want to watch it. So maybe I'll... No, it's maybe awesome. I'll, maybe I'll put on Point Break. And I, I can't emphasize this enough like the directing is actually really good like Catherine bigelow um who at the time was married to james cameron so he actually has a producer credit on it oh wow it's it's incredible like it's so well filmed and like the performance out of patrick swayze in contrast to like keanu reeves is actually pretty great like i think he really nails what he's going for this like spiritual criminal thing that's going on i don't want to spoil too much about the movie even though it's very old but yeah well i mean I, they remade it you know not too long ago ugh. and i heard it was horrible. I, I hear that's bad i hate anytime they remake stuff and yeah, oddly true. 80s movies are just under a lot of you know they're in very high demand right now to yeah. be remade like footloose had its own weird yeah remake. oh my God. Red Dawn. I have a horrible, horrible experience with somebody making me watch the new Footloose, and I was like, what? "I never want to see you again." <laughs> <laughs> I had to uh, watch the new Carrie a couple years ago. That yo, was weird. I s- I've actually never seen the original Carrie. I've only seen yeah. The new so Carrie. I haven't seen the original Carrie. I've always been wanting to. It's one of those films that my mother. Um, you know, would not let me get near. So like, I was like, okay, so I had to wait till I got older, but then they remade it. So I bought, I made the mistake. It was in the $5 bin at Walmart. Mm, So it's not that tempting. I know, (laughs) but I got it and uh, I put it in my freshman year. I actually have a old Snapchat memory of me putting it back in the disc (laughs) and saying like, Carrie more like pray for Hollywood. And I threw it at my dorm uh, door and it, slid it did some i like in the video it defies the laws of physics and it like flips turns lands and slides under my door like it slid i'm pretty sure it slid into somebody else's room and i had to go 
retrieve it. Like it slid very far. You pulled a full two thousands film critic. You're, Literally, you are the nostalgia critic. I am the nostalgia critic. <laughs> no, it was horrible, dude. I went. I watched ten minutes of it and turned it off. It was so bad. You couldn't even watch more than ten minutes. No. <laughs> What was it, the first scene where they're throwing tampons at her and she's in the bathroom yeah. floor and she's like, ah, ah, and she's freaking out and the editing is atrocious. Well, they're probably I like trying to do like that Brian De Palma like style editing. Like, I don't know. I, I've never seen the original, so I don't know if it's like the same or I anything. I, I definitely remember not being that impressed. No, it's not good. And, and sadly, speaking of not impressed, like other than Point Break, the only other movie I saw this week um well actually there was another i watched um i watched a documentary on netflix called the no not the there's no the in the title <laughs> but it's best worst thing that ever could have happened okay. um it's about this songheim show that was in the 80s called merrily we roll along and essentially it was after he did sweeney todd um songheim who is like one of the best broadway composers ever Mm -hmm. was guaranteed to like have another hit and he was making it with like his um his favorite like partner like hal prince is that correct yeah there we go we got Mm -hmm. confirmation from uh sophie (laughs) studio Uh, (laughs) and it was supposed to just like blow up you know because Mm -hmm. it was nothing but critical acclaim for him at the time and it didn't like critics didn't like it Uh, it fell apart in previews like there was just so many changes um and only recently it's had a revival on broadway and people have really taken to it and like something that was like weird about it is it had like teenagers to early 20 somethings playing characters that grew older in the show like playing characters that were upwards of 60 and critics at the time did not really like that. It, like, mm-hmm. it was just bad, for in their opinion. Mm-hmm. But like people from that show went on to do great things. Like Jason Alexander, most famously, like mm-hmm. was involved in that, and then found success later in like Seinfeld and mm-hmm. like the film industry. So it's just a little wild to like see that happen. Wow. But um, yeah, that was good. But the only other thing I saw was wonder woman 1984 okay i want to hear your thoughts on this because i have not seen it yet i'm probably gonna watch it tonight maybe or soul tonight who knows without spoiling it (laughs) yeah yeah, that's what i've been hearing pretty much from everybody else (laughs) like i don't hate it like a lot of people do but Mm -hmm. i i definitely don't love it like i think the first wonder woman is a much better movie mm-hmm. and i'm a little confused about what went wrong here because we got patty jenkins back mm-hmm. directing we got gal gadot back in the lead role and she's still great as wonder woman mm-hmm. pedro pascal is in this movie okay. and he's actually really good like i cool. i like his villain i think it's the right level of like 80s hokey mm-hmm. and like a threat like yeah. i don't know like i i like what they were going for with him and i think even Kristen wig while her character is shoehorned into the movie, um, she does a good job with what she has until she becomes a CGI mess monster. Uh, uh-oh. Yeah, it's it's one of those where, like, the movie, they have at the center of it a, a plot that can't be resolved with a physical confrontation. But it's a superhero movie, so they need, like, a big final fight. So they throw Kristen Wiig in there. And they have her, like, go through this metamorphosis, uh, which is 
horribly done. Like in one scene, she's like, oh, I can't walk in heels. And then in the next scene, she has heels on. (laughs) And she walks on some precarious ledges. Yeah. It's, It's like a pretty terrible plot line. But I think what the funniest thing about this movie is, is that they decided of all the things that the main story could be about, they were going to take from Never Ending Story 2. That's okay. the plot of this movie, essentially. Did you ever see Never Ending Story 2? I've only seen like the first one a long time ago. Well, the first one's good. And then the second one, they do like this storyline where he finds this object that you can make wishes on. And he learns very quickly, like, oh no, wishing for things means taking the things you have right now for granted in wonder woman 1984 is all about be careful for what you wish for which is a story we've seen like a million times and i'm baffled patty jenkins helped write this one Uh, like why was this the direction we went in like and it's also two and a half hours long but let me tell you it feels like five it is insane how long this movie is that's disappointing is just so much that you can watch and like immediately be like, that should have been cut out. Like, yeah. what was the purpose of that? Mm. And um, like Chris Pine is back in the movie, and it's not ex- like, <laughs> well, it's explained pretty well, like mm-hmm. how he comes back. But the problem is, you're gonna be distracted by the fact that there's like a serious moral dilemma with the way he comes back that the movie just like ignores. Yeah, it completely ignores. But they're, what's weird is they're trying to have you think, oh, there's repercussions to him coming back, but they don't acknowledge the biggest one about it, which is the way in which... He, I don't want to spoil it, but like, right. it's it's weird, and I definitely okay. was thinking about it the whole time he was on screen. But I say all that, and it's like fun still. Like I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a very self-contained superhero movie, which is something that I really admire. Mm-hmm. With like Marvel being what it is, and they're all interconnected, and you have to watch like twenty movies to understand what's going on anymore. What I really love about this is that you can just jump in. You know, by the time the movie's over, everything that it had to say is wrapped up. There's like no sequel baiting. Okay, it's, it's lovely, um, and I think. If there's anything we can take away from, like, DC and what they're doing right now, it's, like, jumping over to that singular storytelling in your movie. Like, don't try and connect it to anything. Mm -hmm. And they don't. There's no references to Batman or the Justice League or anything. Oh, wow. I'm actually surprised. Yeah. I figured there would be. No. There's no fanservice-y stuff like that. And, like, everything that is kind of fanservice-y is within the world of Wonder Woman. And that's something I really appreciated. And... Like, when the movie was working, like, Pedro Pascal was on screen or Gal Gadot was given something to do, like, it was pretty entertaining to watch. I just think that this really needed to go through the editing room, like, a couple more times. Right, okay. Which is crazy, because they've had this since 2019, ready to go. Like, they were going to release it um, in November of 2019, Mm -hmm. and then they didn't want to compete with James Bond. Or Star Wars, so they moved it, and then they moved it, and then they moved it. Yeah. And they've just had it all this time, and there's still, like, this length issue. And 
you can still see the green screen and Kristen Wiig's glasses, apparently. Really? Yeah, I went I went back and looked, and, like, she has these big glasses, like, how, how I have on mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> and reflected in them is the studio. Like, you can see the light, the green screen, like, oh everything. It's God. crazy. It made it in there, but... I mean, since it's HBO, they'll probably fix it, like, next week. Yeah. They'll patch the movie. <laughs> Release the uh, <laughs> 1.1 patch. Wow. That's ridiculous. Um, I, I, I'm really interested to see it now, just because... I think it's going to be a doozy, you know, like, whether people really love this yeah. in retrospect or hate it or, you know, feel kind of... One of the one of the film critics I watch on... Um, I wouldn't call him a film critic. I love him, but he really just he really just reviews like really mainstream like movies and more like comic book films, but he's really good at talking about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talked about 19 Wonder Woman 1984 and saying that he felt like it's ambitious. It was more ambitious than the first movie, which was good, but also it was too ambitious for its own good because mm-hmm. there was a point in the movie. He was like where, uh, he felt like the movie figured out that it couldn't, uh, basically couldn't keep up with how big the movie had gotten within some of the plot aspects and stuff. And uh, he just felt like uh, that's where it kind of fell apart was uh, kind of like, you're, you know, you, they say uh, your eyes are bigger than your stomach when you get them. <laughs> I feel like that was probably the problem. I've never heard that phrase never heard before. That? I was my at, eyes are bigger than my stomach? Yeah. I was at a I was at a church thing one time and they had a, like a buffet of food and this lady came up behind me and she's like, because I had a huge plate of food. And she was like, don't. She's like, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. They deceive your stomach. So it's like, cause when you're looking, you think you can eat all of it. And then you start eating it and you figure out you can't wow. eat all of it. That is some just like classic yeah. Southern wisdom. <laughs> right? <thing>. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I learned something <laughs> today. Um, but yeah, Sophie. Hey, you forgot a movie that you watched and really enjoyed. What? Which one? No, we talked about that last week. <laughs> so, 2020 uh, was maybe the best year ever. I think that there has never been, you know, a transitional year for film um, like this since uh, maybe like 1970 like or 1999, you know, those great movie years. Mm-hmm. I think this is possibly the greatest year in film. You know, with, with Sonic the Hedgehog set to win best picture it really makes you think Mm -hmm. about last year where were we at you know like all these shitty movies parasite little women yeah what do those have to say about anything nothing nothing Nothing. when the boy 2 came out this year i said that's it cinema's peak i I remember (laughs) 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 so we we were thinking, you know, we want to do something special for the end of the year. And normally, the perfect way to cap off a year in film is to, like, give your best and worst list. Mm-hmm. But considering, like, six movies came out this year, or <laughs> probably more than that, but right. still not, not that not many. Not worth counting. Not worth least. counting. Yeah. Not worth really cataloging. We've decided to go back to a better time. Yes. We've decided we're going to give you our top 10 of 2019. 
Heck yeah. We're just going to ignore You thought it was over. You thought it was over. It's not. You still got to hear about the you still got to hear about these 2019 cinema classics, okay? Yeah. And I mean, to to 2020's credit, we've talked about the movies that we saw this That's year true. that we yeah. liked. Like we've already talked about Feels Good Man, um mm-hmm. Tenet, uh, yeah. in your case. And and Mank, we and Mank. mentioned Mank. Um I think the only <clears throat> films that I would be remiss to not mention that I really enjoyed this year are King of Staten Island, which mm-hmm. is really great. Pete Davidson's great in that. And um, Palm, Springs, Palm Springs, which is also very good. Like, S- any movies with SNL cast members this year, <laughs> pretty good. Except for Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would also say the the I had a lot of fun. It's not a movie. It's a miniseries. But Tiger King was a lot of fun to watch. I miss uh, Tiger I King miss, Mania. That's the it. one thing out of this pandemic that I think everyone will remember fondly. Literally, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, if somehow you haven't watched Tiger King yet, just do yourself a favor and go watch it. It is the most entertaining I, I don't know. It's the most entertaining thing for me to watch this year. People doing their Carol Baskin impressions yes. does not come close to like <laughs> experiencing just how crazy it is. Like in episode two, you're gonna see a guy with a with a tiger sex cult essentially. <laughs> yeah, that deserves its own show. I know. Doc Antle uh, sequel series. Can we get it? Can we please? get? It? No, uh, honestly, every character in that series deserves their own show. <laughs> like there's so many plot lines. It's great. It's incredible. But yeah, you know, moving forward, or should I say moving backwards, let's go to 2019. <laughs> oh my God. What a, what a year. Yeah. Um, it was, it was probably my, my favorite year of movies in recent memory. Literally. Like, yeah. I, there were three movies last year that I watched, especially that I was like, wow, this is one of my favorites now. Like, yeah, definitely. Par- well, without jumping ahead too much. Yeah. I, let's. We should go from the bottom. We should go, go from the, top, the bottom, right? Yeah, it started from the bottom. Mm-hmm. And th- this is not a movie that I at all want to be seen as a bottom movie because I think oh, yeah. it's really good. But Booksmart for me mm. was one of the best like comedies I've seen in a while. It, it was directed by Olivia Wilde, who I think this was her directorial debut. Yeah. Um. I think so. I was looking the other day. I think she had one other movie besides Buck Smart that came uh, before. Um, it's just some small stuff, but this is like her, like, yeah, this is like her big release, I guess you could say. She did some, I know she did something. Uh, That's a she short did a film. short film called Free Hugs. Free Hugs, yeah. I guess this some, is her directorial debut. Okay, yeah. I, I was mistaken. I thought she did one other film before Buck Smart, but I guess not. And she, she wrote it too. Mm-hmm. And it's. It's so funny. Like yes. I absolutely love that movie. I watched it on my way back from studying abroad, and me and the Japanese lady sitting next to me, we had a great time. She was reading <laughs> her book, and I was uh, watching the one scene of the movie that had sexual content when she started watching it with me. So, I mean, <laughs> we, we had a good laugh. And then she also saw me watch Timothy Chalamet get freaky with a peach. So. <laughs> it was a grand old time. Love that. I just I I think what really works about it is all the actors in it. Like the mm-hmm. girls are great, and that kid from um, S- Santa Clarita Diet. I can't remember mm-hmm. his name right now. He is so funny. Yeah, was he the? Are you talking about? He's the, the one, one with the yacht. The yacht. I was about <laughs> yeah. to say. I love his character. Um, yeah, I was very surprised by Booksmart. I didn't expect it to be. I was like, eh, it's another coming of age, like you know, teen movie. It's like. 
I, I'm thinking at this point, like I've seen eighth grade. Like you know, what can top that? Because eighth grade was yeah, eighth grade also fantastic. Yeah. That was the year before. Oh, and we we also have someone who's very passionate about Booksmart. Oh yeah. Us, Hello, it's me. I'm Kennedy. Uh, I was listening from over yonder on the <laughs> couch, but I am here because, um, well, just because I'm here. But I'm here to tell you that Booksmart is my second favorite movie of all time. And second, second, second. Wow. Uh, and I love it so much because it is so incredibly accurate to the high school experience mm. for a teen girl. Like myself, I watched it. Yeah, with... smart Alec. Yeah, absolutely. straight A's. <laughs> absolutely. No, I watched it with my best friend, uh, who is my best friend of eleven years. So obviously, we did high school together, and watching it was like looking in a mirror of my past, like ten years of friendship with this person, because it was so incredibly similar, and I think that was. The thing that really made it so charming was like all of this is incredibly realistic, but in a way that's not boring, in a way that is fun, and you know, you can see yourself in all of those actions. Yeah. I don't know if that's true for anyone else, but for me, I was like, Holy crap, Olivia Wilde, have you had a nanny cam on me for the past four years? I think that's one of the best things about any coming of age movie is when you can see your life in it, like in any capacity, yeah. and that's that's awesome like especially with this that it resonated with so many people and i think um especially like a lot of girls have not had a chance to see like their version of a coming of age movie on yeah. screen like there it's always been a boy's genre really it's like yeah. when a boy becomes a man but you know yeah. we we're finally getting into like fun like when a girl becomes a woman kind <laughs> yeah. of movies you know yeah and i think it's neat that um this film was sort of geared towards like girl nerds like not you know mm -hmm. that's not their whole personality obviously they're yeah. interested in other things but like for boys with coming of age stories like you've had scott pilgrim and like lots of other movies where it's like hey it's cool to be a nerd but yeah that doesn't really exist as much for girls mm -hmm. i felt very reassured as a nerd for a while like, yeah <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's ever been in doubt that being a nerd kind of slaps if you're a boy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think with Booksmart, it, it does show like there are some flaws to like building your self-esteem only on your academic accomplishments but at the end of the day like it's okay to be kind of a dork because there are people in the world who are also as dorky as you which is you know what a lot of my high school relationships and friendships were it was like oh my god you like the same nerdy things that i like <laughs> wow <laughs> incredible experience incredible, incredible. experience also, while I was uh, watching this movie, I had, like, a huge plate of pasta. Um, mm. So, I mean, that could Ooh. contribute to why I love yeah, it. There, there's definitely a, <laughs> a food association thing with movies sometimes. My recommendations uh, for watching Booksmart, be with your high school best friend and a large plate of pasta, and you can't go wrong. I, I don't yeah. think you can top airplane food and a Japanese lady. I'm sorry. You're trounced. <laughs> You've just been trounced. Absolutely trounced. So did did you uh, did you have Booksmart in your in your list, Casey? So thank you, Kennedy. She may be yes, back. Thank you. you never know. She lives back. she lives over yonder. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I did have Booksmart on my list until I, until until hold on hold on now. There were so many movies in 2019 competing for my top ten slots, and even though I enjoyed Booksmart a lot, like I love it, 
I I had to I had to give Book Smart's spot to a film that not many people have heard of, and some people might argue actually came out in two, 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 2018, but it wasn't in uh, wasn't in U.S. cinemas until 2019. But it's a film called Shadow, and haven't heard of it. <laughs> it is, not a lot of people have, but you know, and I'm I'm totally gonna butcher his name, but I'm gonna try it. It's I think it's a Chinese name. Okay. It's uh, can can you say it? It's Z- I know it's like Zhang Zhang Yimao Zhang Yimao, um yeah. So he did f- films like Raise the Red Lantern and the pretty bad actually The Great Wall. Um, oh, with Matt with Damon. Mark, oh yeah. Uh, or, I almost said Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, but I think it's Matt Damon. Yeah. Um, I don't know why he did The Great Wall. Uh, yeah, Matt Damon. <laughs> I don't know why he did The Great Wall. But let me tell you, he's got this beautiful movie here called Shadow, and it is made to look like one of those old, um, uh, I can't remember if it's Chinese or uh, Japanese paintings where like it's black and white, it's like gray colors, but like certain things are like accented with uh, colors. Like, uh, so like in the film, um, I don't even want to tell you what it's about, but it's got some of the greatest battle sequences I've ever seen in a film ever they have uh like like blade umbrellas that they spin and the blades like shoot out and like spin like freaking uh banger uh i almost said bangerangs (laughs) (laughs) i meant uh what are the things that you throw and they come back at you are you boomerang yeah (laughs) i thought you were trying to describe describe like batman's like battering for a second (laughs) And like you know, that's not called. You don't have to add bat to like real life things. No, like boomerangs. The blades are like boomerangs. Anyway, and then they like slide on them. Like I don't know. It's a crazy film, but it's that's like cool. it's colored so beautifully. The cinematography is just otherworldly. My man um, is impassioned. I know it's uh it's a great film. The the story also is is super like intense. Um, and there's. There's this crazy scene where they're like, they're, it's like a husband and a wife and they're like in this like cave and they're across from each other and they start playing like this string instrument, but it's like no discernible like music is coming out of it, but it's the most intense like riveting scene I've ever seen. Like, really? It's crazy. You need to watch it. Everybody okay. needs to watch it. I'll watch it. It's I'll great. Watch it. Shadow. It's called, it's called Shadow. The, there's like a whole like 45 minute or I think it's like actually 30 minute like war sequence uh, towards the end, followed by like an assassination attempt with some ninjas. Dude, it's crazy. It's Bro, a crazy movie. I'm I'm already sold. You like, gotta, the instant they had batarangs in there, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah, you you guys gotta watch it. That was a uh, that was a uh, yeah that was a uh, my that was this movie that took Booksmart's place. Sorry, Kennedy's <laughs> second favorite movie ever. <laughs> Couldn't quite make Casey's best of one year list. Thanks. I'm, I'm just saying, if it had replicated your high school experience like it replicated mine, maybe it would be ranked higher on your list. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe if opinions were all the same, maybe all our <laughs> lists would look the same. <laughs> we all had the exact same life. We think the same thing. Maybe so. No, I still love Booksmart, though. But what's next on your list, buddy? Ooh, next on my list. Uh, this one is on a lot of people's like top spots. I, and I like it a lot, mm-hmm. but I think its appeal is limited over, like, multiple watchings. 
1917, mm. I think, is like one of the most technically like impressive movies I've seen yeah. in a long time, and it's so effective at being like definitely essentially a World War One roller coaster ride. You're yeah. Like, oh, yeah. here's the part where we're in the trenches. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. Oh, um, the little rat boys are out. Little, they're, little rat. They're, little, they're nobbling on some tripwire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's the best version of It's a Small World I've experienced in the theater in a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. The It's actually, I, I don't know, we were just joking about it, but honestly, it it's, it's pretty does a pretty good job of showing you some of the atrocities of, of World War I, yeah. I think, uh, especially the... The scene where he falls in the waterfall and he's having to swim through all the like the bloated uh. dead bodies. Uh, it's uh, it's quite horrible. Um, and also the trenches scene, like right off the bat, you know, seeing all the uh, that you know you don't. I don't see many movies about World War One. It's sort of like I call it the Forgotten War <laughs> because yeah. you know nobody. Well, World War Two came along. The sequel kind of blew it out of the water. But honestly, mm, there was it a, did up the stakes. Yeah, but I mean, but World War One is still it's a it's a horrible horrible event in history. Um, but this movie's damn entertaining, and uh, yeah. when sh- when showing you uh, World War One, it's crazy. Um, I think the 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 gimmick of it, the one shot, and yeah. it's just all one continuous shot, is is one of the biggest strengths of it. Like mm-hmm. just. You, you can't help but look away because you're you're trying to look for some kind of cut mm-hmm. or like very obvious like edit um, and that sucks you in almost as much as like the movie does and the fact that they pulled it off mm-hmm. um, or at least through digital alterations and edits and like right, <laughs> right, yeah. that they've pulled it off this effect is so cool and just like I think the greatest thing about 1917 is by the end of the movie like where you look at where you've ended and like Mm. where you've started you can see kind of everything laid out in that fashion and it's just like a hell of a journey that Mm -hmm. you've been on yeah and i i think that's probably the movie's biggest strength too is like you never feel like you can you know be at ease until it until it's all over yeah like definitely while they're traveling even with like fellow allied soldiers like Mm -hmm. you still feel tense like you still Uh know that there's some shit that's mm-hmm. gonna go down. Definitely, I think I think Sam Mendes is a really great director, and like mm-hmm. where where Spectre went wrong, I think he took he took all the lessons from that, and yeah. he he was like, let's take the one thing that worked, which is the one shot opening, and let's make it feature length. <laughs> I feel Brilliant. like also this the the I don't know. A lot of y'all might hate me, but I absolutely despise the movie Birdman because I think it's up its own ass. Well, um, I think you're entitled to your wrong opinion, but <laughs> well, I think it's up its own ass, and I think that the one shot in Birdman doesn't really make any sense for me. But I think that the one shot in 1917 makes a lot of sense with the story, with uh, following the characters on a long, arduous trek against uh, battle. Uh, you know hardened uh lands and stuff and i just don't think watching michael keaton walk in and out of a fucking building is that interesting to me in a one shot <laughs> i could see isaac over here starting to you sneer. know we're gonna have to leave <laughs> 1917 and we're gonna have to somehow walk away from that birdman discussion <laughs> i'm gonna be sorry isaac 
basket of worms. This is your worst take since uh, Lady Bird. Listen, no, Truly. no, I've changed my take on Lady Bird. Oh. I, I've talked oh, about... Oh, someone wants to come to the light now <laughs> that Little Women showed him up. You know what? Just tell me your, tell me your next slot or else I'll, I'll be too cross to even function. Jeez. We're gonna have to have this this argument. We're gonna we're gonna have to have it out eventually, but I don't like going to sleep mad, David. <laughs> I, I just want to take some time to myself and, um, and and feel it out. I had Midsummer next on my list. Low, low. It's, it's <laughs> okay, whatever. But yeah, I mean, well, actually, I mean, okay. So I I, I skipped one because I saw that it was higher up on your list. But Knives Out um, was that technically the at the bottom of mine. Not that it's a bottom tier movie. I loved Knives Out. Yeah, I thought it Knives was out is great. great. But I figured we would talk about Knives Out later since it was okay. higher on your list. But I so I went ahead and said Midsummer because I fucking love Midsummer. I think it's great. I love Midsummer so much that I actually have been trying to edit my list unsuccessfully and put it into the number 4 spot because <laughs> yeah. I think the more I think about Midsummer, I think the more I like it. Like mm-hmm. Ari Aster has proven himself to be just one of the best directors of horror mm-hmm. with two movies. Just yeah, two just under two. his belt mm-hmm. and they're back to back. Like they came out 2018, yeah. 2019. And the fact that they're so good is insane to me. Yep. I I think, like, the only thing I can nitpick about Midsummer is if you've seen Hereditary, uh, Hereditary <laughs> your, um, your first thought might be, like, oh, we're really going in with, like, the, the same plot points, like, in a lot of spaces. And, mm-hmm. like, where I think Hereditary works a little bit better as a film, it's very close for me. Like, right. I, I love Midsummer too, yeah. and I think that he's really done something special here like everything with this movie mm-hmm. florence Pugh mm-hmm. in the lead role yeah is just incredible yes 2019 was her year by the way oh definitely <laughs> I, I, I saw another movie that's not on my list but like the the one where she's a wrestler Do you know that's that fighting for my family yeah fighting for my family that's a was great really film. good yeah i watched midsummer and that and i had no idea that florence Pugh was the star in both of them <laughs> until checking imdb and i was like oh my god what? yeah the power of a wig, people. Right. It, it tricks me, anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it really was her year. But yeah, Midsummer is, uh, uh, it's kind of crazy that Ari Aster has just kind of come out of nowhere with two, like, I think, like, magnum opus, like, yeah. horror films uh, of the decade. Uh, it's, um, it's pretty interesting. If uh, The way he plays with themes, with showing themes through horror, he... I don't think anybody has done it as well uh, as him. Yeah, like I him. mean, uh, Jordan Peele, like Jordan is, Peele is, with, is with Get Out, yeah, like, definitely. But, but man, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I I was totally I, like I will never forget my theater. Sadly, I didn't get to see Midsummer in theaters. Me uh, either. I, I was, was way too busy with school. Um, but I saw Hereditary in theaters, and let me tell you, really? I will never forget that experience. Yeah. God, I, I might have thrown up in the theater if I saw Hereditary there. I, like that. Yeah, my friends, I dragged my friends to it, and I didn't realize what I was getting them into. And they were like halfway, you know, like through the movie, they started looking over at me, and they're like, "Casey, what the hell is this?" And I'm like, "I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know. I'm enjoying every minute of it, though." Hereditary <laughs> makes me thankful I don't have a peanut allergy. Like, that's all <laughs> right. I'll say. That's all I'll say. That is all. <laughs> I'll never tell. <laughs> But go I, watch Midsummer. Like, oh my god, it's brilliant. I love that, and it's it's number four on my list. I mean, we'll we'll 
touch on rankings later mm-hmm. as we get more specific. But I think next up for me is The Irishman. Okay. I I really like The Irishman. I think that um, Scorsese has been one of my favorite directors for a while. Like Goodfellas is straight mm-hmm. up just one of my favorite movies ever. I'm looking at a poster of it mm-hmm. as we're speaking. Thanks, Kennedy. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. Um, so I've, I've always loved him. Uh, and especially his like crime movies. Mm-hmm. So when I heard that this one was three hours and 45 minutes and all the stars had been de-aged for it, like my first thought wasn't actually all that great. I was like, oh God, this mm-hmm. is going to be a mess uh, or, or at least very boring mm-hmm. or not very well paced. And one could argue that seeing the movie, but I think if you watch the last hour of the Irishman and you're still not convinced by its like whole shtick, like if you don't see the point in it mm-hmm. by then, like I think you've really missed out. Like I think I, the Irishman has one of the greatest last hours of any like crime movie I've ever seen. Just yeah. like, and it's one of the most depressing things. Ever yeah, too. definitely. I, 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 so when I first watched the Irishman, I was kind of opposite of you. I don't really care about the de-aging thing. I heard that it was three and a half hours long, and I was like, yes. I was <laughs> so excited. I was like, a three-hour gangster biopic from Scorsese. Let's go. Um, and then I watched it, and I loved it. Then I watched it a second time, and I didn't like it. I ended up kind of being like, no, because I, I talked with some people about it, and then I, I was just kind of thinking, I was on the fence about it. I was like, you know what? I, I actually don't think this is... I think maybe Scorsese's, uh, maybe he's getting a little too old. Then I watched it again. Then I was like, never mind. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's great. I, yeah, I, I solidified my opinion. I think it's great. Um, it's pretty damn good. I, yeah. I like it a lot. I don't think it's his best of that decade. I think Wolf of no. Wall Street is definitely uh, the yeah. movie I prefer. Right. And I, I think it's just because, you know, I like, I like the energy to be younger, like at least feel like. I don't know. It's just my personal vendetta against mm. casting the same actors and de-aging them. Like, I'm a big believer in just cast another actor in the yeah, role as younger. Yeah. Like, I'm willing to overlook any physical differences they might have. Like, I'm really yeah. not that incensed. I don't think a lot of it. people are really that picky about it either. Like, I think they're just... I think the reason they de-age is just to show off the technology. Like, hey, look, we, we can mm. do this, so we're going to. Dr. Sleep isn't on my list, but... What I really admire about that movie is that they don't CGI Jack Nicholson into it. They oh, just cast yeah. another guy for flashbacks. And okay, it's cool. Like, okay, thank you, Mike Flanagan. Mm-hmm. Mike Flanagan, by the way, Woo! great director. Check out um, Haunting of Hill House, uh, Gerald's Game, yes, and Gerald's all, the, Game. all the others. He he didn't quite make it into the 2019 list, but I will always plug my boy Mike Flanagan I know. when I can. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, The Irishman fantastic movie but i think that there were a lot better in this year i i mm-hmm. have it at the number eight but i saw that you have it a little higher what do you yeah mine's at number have? four um that's understandable yeah it was honestly it was between that and little women i think i was kind of going back and forth where um to put that higher but i just really i mean i've seen it like three times so it's like super rewatchable for me so i think that's why it got a little bit higher spot on the mm-hmm. list uh, and just the last five minutes of that movie is like the most cathartic, greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, so yeah, <laughs> The Irishman, uh, great film. 
Um, oh yeah. But uh, next on next on the list, I'd like to talk a little bit about a little man named Quentin Tarantino. Oh, it's small indie director. Yeah, yeah super small. Um, I think uh, he was one of the last people that Miramax hired uh, or took on his projects. But he came out with, uh, I think, he's made a few movies before. But this but one, this is his big break. This is his big <laughs> break, exactly. And it's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, and it is about Hollywood. And oh it's, quote-unquote, loss of innocence. <laughs> Um, well, how did this not win Best Picture? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They tried so hard. They did one of these, and then one of those, and then our boy, oh, our oh, boy oh. Karsten uh, Runquist on YouTube. Uh, he was he was like, it's gonna win Best Picture. There's no way it I can't believed win. him a little bit. I did too. But then I backed my main boy. Yeah. Whenever it came time to yeah, we'll get into my main boy later. We'll but. get into the main main man. But yeah, no. Uh, Okay, I'm, I'm. I mean, I'm just like all like jokes aside. Like I'm, I loved this movie. I saw it in theaters with my friends, and it was a packed theater. Um, because you'd be surprised how many people actually go to see Tarantino movies. Yeah, they you, hear the name, and that's all they need. Exactly. I like my family. They they don't. Uh, I have somebody in my family who I would not take for a Quentin Tarantino fan at all, and he was like, "Is the new Tarantino movie good?" And I'm like. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. He's like, yeah, I always go see his movies. They're great. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, going to that theater and seeing, like, everybody there, like, you know they're all there to see Quentin Tarantino. I just, I don't know, it's kind of crazy to me, but he didn't disappoint. I absolutely love this movie, and I'm actually getting really close to rewatching it because I've had, like, this itch to rewatch it. Um, It's, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's great. It's it's very rewatchable. I I will say the first time I saw it, I walked out of the theater thinking like, oh, this is probably the worst Quentin Tarantino movie. Like, but the more I thought about it mm-hmm. and really like processed it, I was like, oh, I'm actually really into that. And then by the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, I love this. I mm-hmm. think this is absolutely charming. Um, and that's a weird word to describe Tarantino because he usually doesn't do charming. He does like witty. He does like uh, yeah. very stylized. I, I think this is his most innocent, playful movie, which is weird because it's definitely if you watch the last twenty minutes, you also see you know him return to his old stomping grounds. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Oh, but it's the greatest like payoff I, to a movie ever. I love I the ending. Of I love Once the Upon ending. a Time in Hollywood, and I think that's really what sold me on the rest of it. Is you know if you're gonna change history a little bit mm-hmm. i think tarantino's way is the best way to do it which is yeah. to just fan fiction it you know yeah, that's what definitely. i loved about inglorious bastards is they get to kill hitler <laughs> yeah. at the end and i mean the movie's been out for a year we can talk spoilers right uh yeah well spoiler warning spoiler for, warning in case for you haven't seen once upon, upon a time, time in hollywood but like the prevention of the manson murders just i know like, like the that is incredible to yeah. just watch because the whole movie you think oh no i know how history works well if you go into the movie the right way and you know about sharon tate and yeah. you know about the manson murders you're gonna get a lot more out of it than if you Definitely. have no idea yeah. about that like i i actually didn't i was a bit confused um at the very beginning where I, when i started watching it and uh, until about i wouldn't say halfway through but a little farther in i figured out uh, who everybody was, 
Um, and I was like, cause like, I didn't really know anything about the movie before going in. I only watched the trailers and the trailers didn't really tell you, you know, anything like, you know, the name Sharon Tate was thrown around and you knew that I knew that the Manson, uh, uh, family was going to be in the movie from what I had just read about it previously, but I wasn't really understanding what was happening until about like 30 minutes into the movie. Then I started realizing, I was like, Oh, okay. And I was like, She's gonna, she's gonna freaking die, and I was like, wait, yeah. and then, and then it, it like totally changes at the end, and I was like, this is amazing, <laughs> like I love this. It's he, uh, he did another, he did another history rewrite, and it's the most like, I think the most like wholesome like rewrite of history like ever. I, I'm surprised there was a lot of backlash to the ending of the movie. Like there was a lot of comments that it glorified like violence against women. Because one of the one of the killer would be killers is like a woman, but and she got her head stomped in. Like, but you know, wh- my counterpoint to that is the alternative was we were gonna watch Sharon Tate, a woman, mm-hmm. be brutally murdered. Like, yeah. that's one of the most brutal murders of uh-huh. true crime. Like, mm-hmm. they they were cruel to her, and she was pregnant with a baby. Like, yeah, yeah that exactly. sounds awful. I I would love to see any killer, regardless of gender. Be killed in spectac- <laughs> spectacular Tarantino fashion. Like, exactly. I don't think he that was his point. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he really was thinking of that scene as like, oh, they're beating the shit out, beating the shit out of a woman now because they're beating the crap out of like all three of those killers. Yeah, you know, like well, it, it that's actually, the point. It actually was was it was it women that it was like two girls and a guy that came in. No, was that historically accurate that it was the yeah it was it was. Wasn't it two guys and one girl? I don't two know. Guys, I don't know. Whatever. I guess. Yeah, because in the movie it was two guys and a girl that came in trying to kill the dude. Anyway, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just. I don't know. I don't. I didn't. I didn't see it like that. I just seen it as like Tarantino's having fun. You know, kind of killing the the killers of our wonderful Sharon Tate. I think it's supposed to just be kind of like a fun ending. I don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that looking into it from that angle really mm-hmm. is is a use to anyone, but. Anyway, I loved. Yeah, I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I did, that was I did great. Too. Um, I uh, I had my next one, Knives Out. Knives Out. Because I yeah. I really like um, Ryan Johnson as a director and writer. Like, I you know we'd probably have to do a whole individual episode to talk about like Last mm-hmm. Jedi, but I really like Last Jedi. I like Looper, um, and I especially love his first movie he ever did, Brick, Brick which I don't think so he's good. topped. I think Brick. You don't think still... he's topped Brick? No, I think Brick's still my favorite one. I, mm. I think there's something about that gritty, like mm-hmm. filmed on like a budget that's clearly in the thousands yeah. range that I really love. And the high school setting in Brick is really great. Yeah, I don't know how he came up with that, like just the whole idea of Brick. It's crazy to me. But I do. What I love about Knives Out is he's finally returned to like that, like mystery, like kind of mm-hmm. genre. And it's like in Agatha Christie form now, Mm -hmm. you know, with Daniel Craig even playing, you know, instead of Hercule Poirot, Mm -hmm. it's um, his like Louisianan um, detective who I can't remember the name of now, but like it's it's my favorite role in the movie. Like he absolutely kills it. And Arma, what is her name? Arma. Anna de Armas. Anna de Armas uh, is absolutely astounding in the lead role like she carries this movie so well yeah um i absolutely love 
knives out. Like I think yeah. it's just so perfectly paced. It's it's over two hours, but you definitely don't feel that. You don't feel it. No, my my family actually went and saw it in the theater. They were like shopping one day, I think, or they were all out, and they were like, mm, "Let's watch this movie. It looks cool." And I I would never peg them to watch, you know, Knives Out, but they watched it and they said they loved it. So, yeah, it's just a great like murder mystery movie with like six twists that I love. Um, and I think it's great. And a, and a fair bit of political commentary. And also, we're, we're joined True. again by, by Kennedy, who lives over yonder. Kennedy, you have some thoughts on Knives Out? Yes, I have some thoughts on Knives Out. I also really loved Knives Out, but I am a big fan of the murder mystery in a big house genre. <laughs> um, and although I don't have any like new insightful comments to bring to Knives Out, because, duh, everybody's talked about how brilliant it is already, um, I would like to offer some recommendations. Oh. Uh, if you liked Knives Out, might I suggest my favorite movie of all time, Clue. Um, I knew it! <laughs> I love Clue. Um, it's 1985. Director is Jonathan Lynn. And it is one of the best movies of all time. It's one of those movies that gets better every time you rewatch it, which I think is also true of Knives Out. They have very similar structures, um, and it's super enjoyable. If you want to throw it back even further than that, um, the Thin Man series uh, came out in the 1930s. It's oh, I like, haven't heard of this. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, very much what inspired Clue and okay. like a lot of the twists and turns and like physical comedy gags. Um, one of my best friends suggested it, and I watched it and was like, oh my god, this is what Clue is based on, very mm-hmm. clearly. Um, but there's like a whole series, so I've just watched the first one. And really enjoyed it. Would love to watch them more. So, film history. If you want to, like, take it back. Mm-hmm. You can back. watch Knives Out and then Clue, which came out in the 80s, and then The Thin Man from the 30s. Yeah. So. Well, there we go. Check out where it came from, man. Yeah. Check, check out Clue. Clue makes poop jokes classy. Like, that's what I'll say about Clue. <laughs> I love Clue. It's, it's just, it's so campy. But I, it was the 80s, so I guess it was rightfully so. I, I saw it, it for the first time this year. That's, like, peak 80s. Yeah. Like, nostalgia. Like, it's even got, like, Christopher Lloyd in it. Like, yeah. I think pre-Back to the Future, Christopher uh-huh. Lloyd, which is incredible to look at. And, uh, of course, uh, Michael McKean gives the best line ever at the end of that movie. <laughs> I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I mean, that the cast in general is just fantastic tim curry madeline khan eileen brennan tim curry has never phoned it in by the way oh yeah he's Mm. now in a wheelchair and literally has brain damage and he still doesn't phone it in when he's in a movie like he's still incredible like wow we watched okay muppet treasure island i watched recently 10 out of 10 masterpiece yes absolutely (laughs) um tim curry just amazing in that and i mean this is a phenomenon that lots of people have been discussing lately on twitter especially about muppet movies is that the human actors just absolutely give it their michael caine should have won an oscar for (laughs) christmas carol like let's be honest doing your michael caine impression last week (laughs) i i would do it again but i don't really feel like doing the bit twice would be great anyway kermit defrog Here's $20 for Tiny Tim. (laughs) But yeah, no, this is, I guess, also just an endorsement of every Muppet movie ever made. Yeah. That's not surprising coming out of my mouth. Man, the Muppets slap. Uh, Speaking of Muppets, Frank Oz is, like, in his only ever, like, live-action role in this movie. Like, he's, he's in Knives Out. He's just chilling. Did you know the bald guy? 
But the beardy, I think he's um, Christopher Plummer's like a state lawyer. That's <laughs> Frank Oz. No way! That's Be- amazing. Because he loved being Yoda for Last Jedi so much that he came on with Ryan Johnson to do this movie. Wow! Full wow. circle. Yeah. So that's awesome. So there we go. We have a Muppet out of its uh, Muppet body in Frank Oz in this movie, and uh, I I that's... don't know what to say. I I recommend Knives Out. I recommend Clue, and I recommend you. Get yourself caught up on those Muppets on films. On those Muppet films, yeah. Now they are on all Disney+. Inc- Plus. Now this st- is not an endorsement. Hashtag ad. <laughs> Hashtag ad. It's true, though. They are streaming. And they are great. I uh, I think that that was a lovely, lovely bout of film. But I think this next film that Casey has is even lovelier. Wait, no. Do I? What do you have next? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you're talking about Knives Out. Oh, I was going to mention uh, this one. This one right here. Ooh, let's, hold, let's hold off. Let's hold off. Let's mention that one. Yeah, yeah, let's do um, it. This is so conspiratorial. <laughs> I really love it. <laughs> we, we, we're, we're really keeping kind of a loop. No, we were going to talk about this really big one that you saw. It was done by Gigi, you know. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But oh, yeah. we're going to save that oh. because it's a little that. bit lower on his list than on mine. But uh, Ad Astra Ad is Astra. next for you. Yes, because this film is a film that is very underrated. Uh, it is a space film. Um, and I love space films. Um, but I think this movie is quite literally the antithesis of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yes. And I love it for that. And I also love it because it has so many religious like themes, undertones. Mm-hmm. Like It is very much a non-religious about religion movie like in space with space pirates in a scene i love that yeah they they go to the moon and there's pirates (laughs) excuse me but it's played seriously i know and it's i i absolutely i can't tell you how much i love ad astra i think this the the filmmaking is incredible Um, it's one of the most beautifully shot movies i've seen in recent years i I will never forget how gorgeous ad astra is like i definitely thought it was going to make more of a splash but i know it was a box office disappointment yeah i know yeah yeah for the most part it was and i'm super surprised because i mean with a trailer like that uh, do you remember the trailer for that movie yeah it made me think so riveting (laughs) i was like if i weren't studying abroad right now i'd be in the theaters (laughs) watching ad astra right i but i and then i had a friend that said yeah we're gonna go see ad astra and I was like, tell me how it is. And he sent back, like, two and a half hours later, he sent back, like, ten fire emojis. I'm like, okay, let's go. And I drug Donna to it. Donna, I don't think, liked it as much as I did. I don't, I don't, maybe she did. I just don't remember her being, like, as, like, giddy about it as I was after leaving the theater. I was like, that was so awesome. This is so amazing. I, I want to watch it again. I, I bought it as soon as it came out, you know, um, on a physical copy. But yeah. I, I just really believe that this movie is probably gonna have like a resurgence of like i don't know like of um people wanting to watch it like later. a cult hit like maybe? a cult following yeah i don't know i mean it's it got great reviews and um i mean it's got brad pitt and tommy lee jones and i i think the thing is it's like it's a bit art house for people like I think people want, like, you know, Moon Pirates for the full, for the two, full hours. two hours. yeah. And what you get instead is, like, a very contemplative, like, 
what if we are alone in the universe yeah. kind of movie and i don't think that's everyone's cup of tea really but i i definitely really dug it i have like 13 movies that i wrote down that i really admire at astra is is one of them that didn't quite crack the top 10 but mm-hmm. i i do really love that i will say it's in my top three it's my third pick mm. so okay yeah i love it i think it's brilliant i'm gonna i'm gonna jump into what was my uh we've already talked about once upon a time in hollywood which i am mm-hmm. gonna lock in at number six mm-hmm. and then uh marriage story okay is the next one for me i really liked marriage story i know that you we talked about it last year yeah um i just think noah bambach is like one of my favorite directors working today all of his movies are very dialogue driven and the dialogue is always 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 so good i i think mumblecore movies mumblecore french new wave style movies um I don't know. He's like dark universe Wes Anderson to me. Definitely. I don't know how to describe it other than that. Like, yeah. He's just a little bit more depressing, but just yeah. as dysfunctional. Like mm-hmm. They both talk about the dysfunctional family unit a lot. And I think Marriage Story is one of the most riveting looks at divorce uh, since his other movie, The, the Squid, Squid and the, the Whale. Whale. Yeah. Um, I just love the score by Randy Newman. I think Adam Driver kills it. I don't typically love Scarlett Johansson, but I think she's also fantastic in this movie. She did a pretty good job in this movie, yeah. I I love it. And like uh, any great movie, it features Stephen Songheim quite Mm -hmm. a bit. Like, it has songs from the musical company that I think are just really well done. Like, Adam Driver makes what would have been just a drunk karaoke scene into like yeah art dude i love that i i can't recommend it enough if you haven't caught marriage story from last year that's one i would definitely say you should check out um what is uh what's uh your next i think uh are we getting too we're getting we're getting pretty we're getting close i think we can talk about or what maybe we hold off on that one maybe so let me let me just say our number two midsummer is (laughs) number four for me okay the Irishman I, I like is them. number four for me. Okay. So with that, we've cracked your number three, which is Ad Astra. So we mm-hmm. can talk about one of my favorite movies of last year that yes. maybe Kennedy, from who lives over yonder, will want to join in on here in a little bit. Um, Little Women. Yes. I love Little Women. <laughs> I do too. I, just, I do too. Women. <laughs> Just as Sorcerer Ronan once said, women, <laughs> as Bob Odenkirk once said, my little women, <laughs> my little women, they're women and they're little and they're great. And it's directed by another woman who is not so little, but is great. Greta Gerwig is just fantastic. Like Lady Bird was one of my favorite movies of 2017. And then she immediately knocks it out of the park again with this adaptation. I think I like this a little bit more than Lady Bird. It's a really hard choice for me, but I definitely love this way more than Lady Bird. Yeah, but you took you took the L on Lady Bird as well. Listen, uh, I took the L but sort of I okay. It's a redemption arc. It's a redemption arc. It's Casey Post time skip right now talking. Post time skip. (laughs) Anyway. I think um the the number one thing I'm thinking about right now with little women is just how gorgeously shot it is. Mm -hmm. I I always think about the costumes. That's the mm -hmm. one thing that I come back to. It you know period pieces they often get uh, blasted for being boring but I think this is one of the most exciting ones 
especially in its narrative. I think that um, Greta Gerwig made the very smart choice for this to be a non-linear story. Well, it, it moves along in a forward like yeah. momentum, but you're jumping back between mm-hmm. two points in time. And I think it really works for, for the narrative of the and film. Ne- and never was, at all are you confused, by the way. No. By jumping back. It's done so well. It's beautiful. And there's especially one scene uh, where you relive the scene twice, but you oh get the outcome. I just got diff- chills. When you said that, yeah. I literally just got chills thinking about that scene. Yeah. Like you, you, you see, you know, the happy outcome and then in the, the past yeah. and then you see the, the tragic outcome in the uh, present. And it's just like, it's so, it good. hits so much harder because of that. Like, because you've just seen it. Mm-hmm. I was so surprised to learn that the book isn't set up in that structure. Like that's just a brilliant yeah, adaptation no, choice. Yeah. And none of the other movies do that either. They mm-hmm. they tell the story in a straightforward manner, and I think this is probably the best adaptation of the story. I've never seen the Winona Ryder version, but I think of the ones I've seen, mm-hmm. this is brilliant. Like, I love cake, this. Yeah. And speaking of Florence Pugh's year, uh, come on. Little that, that Amy March. Amy oh March, gosh. man. What a okay. performance. I have to I have to chime in here. Oh, we knew you would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> women? No, okay, so I've loved Little Women for a long time. I read it in middle school and, of course, very formative age. I was like, oh, my gosh, girls doing fun things? Awesome. Love this book. And so, I mean, Jo March is, like, obviously supposed to be the protagonist. She mm. is, like, the, the most engaging character and, I mean, I think Sarah Sharonin does an amazing job. She is by far my favorite Joe that I've seen. Um, but Florence Pugh just does some amazing things with the character of Amy. Like, I don't know how to explain it. She's so charming. And I think one of the things that I love is, like, the switch that she makes from being this, like, whiny, petulant child as younger Amy to this, like, very mature, stoic woman in the later scenes. It, it, she's just amazing. Florence Pugh. Wow. Wow. That's all. Women. <laughs> women. women. Yes. I'm really just having a having a moment over here. Just women. The movie that makes you go women. Yes. yes. I think it I think it's weird that going into this movie, Emma Watson was probably my favorite actress out of the whole bunch. But in this movie I think she is my least favorite of yeah. all the little women. I think even the girl playing Beth, who mm-hmm. I don't know the name of, probably uh, gives yeah. gives it a little bit of better performance, which I don't think it's against Emma Watson. I think it's just right. the script has a lot more for the other sisters. Which that, that's to, to that's carry. my only problem with the film is that I you got I I saw plenty of the other three, but I did not see near enough of Emma Watson's character that I wanted to because I feel like she had a pretty interesting story. But I don't think it was developed as well as the other ones. And honestly, if Greta Gerwig tacked on an extra 20, 25 minutes to this movie, I would not give I a would, damn. I would not mind. A, I would like not a three-hour cut. Of yeah, women, I, I, director's know, cut. Do it. I want to see it. It's yeah, great. Yeah, I do think that Meg March gets the shirt. I'm so sorry. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> there was some rapper in yeah. here for a second. I don't know what's going on. Opened up the door and said, my apologies. <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> no, but I do think that Meg March gets the short end of the stick because she's like, married and her only like conflict uh, lame, lame. Yeah. <laughs> like really her only concern in this adaptation is like oh i'm poor i love my husband but i'm 
poor and yeah. I love dresses. <laughs> but I'm poor. <laughs> but I'm poor. I do feel like her character could have been developed a little more thoroughly because mm-hmm. really all you learn about her is she wants fancy dresses because her friends have fancy dresses. Yeah. And she's poor. Like, yeah. I, I do feel like her, even though her relationship with her sisters could have been more fleshed out because... She's sort of just in the scenes, but not really, yeah. you know, contributing to the family dynamic as much. It, it's a shame because, you know, Emma Watson is a really talented actress and it would, it just would have been nice to see her get to do more. But, you know, I, it's not offensive at all to have the character be underdeveloped and like everyone else is really well-rounded and mm-hmm. great. So it hardly detracts for, from it for me. And, and yeah. in fact, on Letterboxd, I, I've given this... The coveted five out of five. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Whoa. Letterboxd critic coming through. <laughs> you can see my badge right here. You're going to want to let me have a table at this restaurant here. And don't worry, <laughs> meal's on you. Is that, uh, the, that famous podcaster badge that makes you legal? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, the very badge. same. I forgot that I, I carry that thing on me. I always keep that MF and thing on me. <laughs> thing. Oh, God. Well... Nothing but praises for Little Women, but yeah. as we get into the top two, I we do have we a have divergence for, yeah. before we come back together. Yes. What What's your number two? Casey? My number two is a little old film called The Lighthouse by <gasps> Robert Eggers, and it's so good. I gave it the coveted five stars. I drove to Oklahoma to catch this movie in a theater. Two days later, the Little Rock Cinema released it in their theater, and me and Luke were so mad. But I literally got a ticket trying to see this movie in a theater because in going to Oklahoma, there's like four toll booths, and I had no cash, and I had to run one of them. I because there was nobody there, and I just stopped. a crime, a crime on the podcast, a crime, a crime. I got, I they sent me the ticket. They took a murder, it. most foul. Literally, a siren went off, and it flashed my picture. But anyway, I had, I <laughs> I ran a freaking toll booth because we were trying to get to the movie, and we got in the theater the like minute it started playing, like only like a minute had passed, and we hadn't missed anything, and we sat down, and. The theater was so freaking like dark, like everything, all the lights are off and there was limited light coming out of the screen because it's in that beautiful box, like aspect ratio. Um, and, uh, it, it was black and white and the, the, the dialogue, uh, you had to sit there and kind of decipher what they were saying. Um, and then it, it was, it was just a horrifying like experience into a descent into madness that was, just great with a bunch of um, ocean like lore, I guess. I guess you would call it um, some interesting vignette shots that were Ooh. beautiful. And I've seen this movie like three times now. I, I saw it. I saw it twice in theaters and then once on DVD. Um, or maybe did I see it all three times in theaters? Can't remember. But <laughs> yes, it is my number two film of the year. Robert Eggers, he came out with The Witch, or yeah. the, the Vitch, as some people call I really, it. I really love The Vitch. Uh, that, yeah, I love I loved The Witch. Uh, I love his style of, like, just making films, just, like, direct, like, everything, the way he writes and directs. I love that style, and he brought that over into The Lighthouse, and it translated so freaking well. And, um, yeah, I love it. That's my spiel. <laughs> I, um, okay, it's not on my list, and <laughs> I have seen it. But I think I think the problem is, 
I went into it with wildly different expectations for what the movie was. Because essentially from March of 2019, the first review I saw of The Lighthouse came out is from one of my favorite YouTube film critics, Your mm-hmm. Movie Sucks, and he gave it yeah. 10 out of 10. And yeah. he never gives any movie a 10 yeah. out of 10. So I was hyped uh-huh. from that point on. And then like literally all of my film friends went to go see this, and they were like, this is amazing, this is one of the best movies ever. Mm-hmm. And so I finally got to watch it in January of this year at home. And, uh, you know, I liked, I thought it was very well put together. And I thought it was, uh, like, beautifully shot and Mm -hmm. wonderfully acted. I just, it ended up kind of not being what I expected it to be. Probably got overhyped for you. I think it got overhyped, but I don't think that I could definitively say that the movie isn't as good as people say. I think I need to rewatch it mm. with these adjusted expectations, and I still haven't gotten around to doing so. But I would love to because mm-hmm. I think that what uh, Eggers has started here is the promising film career of like someone who might even be like the next Kubrick. Like, yeah, he's only done like really wonderful films, and like mm-hmm. even if The Lighthouse ends up not being my cup of tea, like. I think that there need to be more movies like it. Like yeah. it's just so wonderful that something so artsy and mm. beautiful and like so ingrained in Greek mythology yes. and can be made like this is just excellent. I know. I really love yeah, that. It's so so good. And it's about it's also got a theme of like toxic masculinity thrown Yeah. And it's crazy. It's it's so good. This it's, does it all. I know. And some. Literally. I mean, there was only like it was a hard pick between this and the other one, but the other my number one just has yeah. a little bit over the top. Same. It's my number one, too. We're going to pause really quick. And we're back. Uh, that's more of a bodily needs uh, trip right yeah. there that just happened. That wasn't anything to do with Sophie, um, our, uh, our, our elusive editor. editor. Yeah. Um, but what's your number two, buddy? My number two is something that's not on your list, either. No, no. We not both had, close. Yeah. Very oh. differing views i'm sorry <laughs> so casey's taking the l on this one but the safety <laughs> brothers created a masterpiece last uh-huh. year and it's called uncut gems yep. and this really surprises me because i have no love for adam sandler really i think most of his movies are complete oh, trash yeah. they're dog i think water. the best ones that he's in he has no creative control over like Mm-mm. um punch drunk love yeah you know that's all paul Mm -hmm. thomas anderson's baby Mm -hmm. um and i think he's brilliant in this i absolutely love his character he's so slimy but in my opinion you want to root for him you want to see him come through anyway like it walks that fine line and something i love about the safety brothers is they know how to make tension like no other like what i really loved about good time was that and i've rewatched good times since uncut gems came out i used to not be a super big fan of that but now that i've seen what they can do i went back and i really appreciated what's happening in good time it's just like a roller coaster kind of like in how 1917 is a roller coaster but i think the safety brothers do it on a much more modern and hipper like mm, edge yeah you know? the soundtrack is very 80s it's very synth heavy i will say the soundtrack is is blasting the I, soundtrack is hype yeah and then the, the weekend is actually in the movie I, the we, yeah i did enjoy the weekend appearance as a strong weekend stan i enjoyed his cameo there but like I, I think the number one thing that people should take away from uh uncut gems is like 
it just doesn't let you go. Like, yeah, you're just in it the whole time. Mm-hmm. You want to see how it turns out. I think even if you don't like how everything turns out, you're you're in it to see mm-hmm. like, can he pull this off? Yeah. And I think that they they find the most satisfying way to do it without just making it too easy, you know? Yeah. And I've I've never seen a character written so stupid but so smart at the same time. Yeah. Which I think they pulled that off really well. He's a he's such a stupid idiot. Like I the whole time watching the movie, I'm like, dude, you gotta stop this. But in a way, he's really clever, but it just it's a it's an interesting he's an interesting character. And I think Adam Sandler played him really well. I do. I think it's a shame that he wasn't even nominated yeah, for an actor I, award. Yeah, here. I gotta admit, I kinda thought that was a bit of a, a uh, a snub on the uh, on the academy mm-hmm. side. They the the whole movie didn't get anything. Like yeah, which, which that really surprised me, me. Yeah, like it at least deserved a best editing nomination in my opinion, or like best score mm-hmm. because the score again slaps mm-hmm. like no other. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, honestly, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't enjoy the movie as much as Isaac as much as everybody else does. Apparently, I'm I'm really in the minority on this. I'm really, really taking the L on this. Uh, one. I really disliked this movie for a number of reasons that I won't get into. It won't steal Isaac's flame or thunder. Yeah, don't stop calling me. Anyway, um, but I won't steal your flame by going over why I think it's not a great movie. But I I will say I th- the most I think my favorite part of the movie is the first like ten minutes. Honestly, just like the, the opener, I think is a strong opening for a film. Um, I hate the freaking ending, um, but oh, I love that! I love the ending. I love the like ethereal like shots, like with the diamond, like that are all throughout the movie. I I just love this movie so much, and I think that um, that scene with the door not working deserves an Oscar for best picture on its own. Like I was. I gotta That's admit, incredible. I was cackling like the, that whole scene. That the that's door. incredible scene. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Casey, we can kiss and make up for our yeah. for our number one because it's a shared one. And I feel like this is the only correct answer for when someone says of, like best yeah. movie of twenty nineteen. The only the only answer you could ever give. And I know you guys, you know it's coming. Parasite. Parasite, oh my baby. God. Woo! That's what we've been waiting for. <laughs> it's so metaphorical. I okay. Parasite was a movie that I saw, and instantly after it was done, I was like, "That is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen." And that doesn't happen very much. Like, I definitely usually have to watch something multiple times before I can decide that. And I've watched Parasite uh, three or four times same. since then, and I still love it. Times. Yeah, no, the it's, same uh, amount. I want to watch it right now. Actually, like it gets better with every viewing. I think. I, I've never really loved anything I've seen by Bon Joon-ho. Like, I like Snowpiercer, mm-hmm. all right. And yeah. I, I watched some of Okja a couple years ago. I, I didn't yeah, I finish it. Into I need to see The Host or some of his yes, like, actually Korean language the movies. Host, yeah. But I'm glad to see him going back to his home country and making this movie there because it's, it's a lot less weird for me to see American actors doing this dialogue it's like now it's in that culture and i think in parasite it's so it's so good everything's so good like the cinematography the performances the script is just so sharp and you never know where it's going like i don't want to talk spoilers for parasite genuinely because if there's anyone who hasn't seen it yet i want them to go in knowing nothing because that is the definitive way to experience this movie i that's the only way to experience this movie is if you know absolutely nothing I had no 
idea where it was going like mm-hmm. I, I didn't know if it was like gonna end up being like a heist movie or a horror movie or what like based off of the title and i was hooked every minute yeah like even that like 20 minute ending sequence that people sometimes are like oh that's a little overly long and that yeah. really pads the script no yeah that's great no, i, I love that it, too I think, yeah i love it too yeah i i think when i when i first walked out of the movie the, that ending you know montage sequence that was really the only thing that threw me off about it but then I, I saw it again and I was like, you know what? No, it works. It works super well, I think. Um, like it's – this is the most like – Bong Joon-ho, the director, he described it as a as a family tragicomedy. That's exactly what it is mm-hmm. because like it's about family, families, you know, familial bonds. And then it's a comedy. Like through and through it's a comedy. It's a funny ass movie like mm-hmm. it is so funny it the script is so strong that yes. it can transcend like the language barrier that literally you know it just read the words on the screen and you're laughing like, yeah i know um and people who are complaining that they can't read the subtitles you're a baby get out like, of here literally learn stop how to whining read. like shut up shut up <laughs> literally i've i've shown this film to people that don't really usually watch like foreign films with like subtitles they're like you know it's kind of which i get it you know not everybody wants to read subtitles but I showed them this movie and I said, just look past the, the little one inch, you know, text barrier at the end. They loved it. And I was like, I told you you would because this movie is magnificent. It's, I mean, I don't know. I don't think there's a, I think we witnessed history, honestly. And yeah. I don't think we realized we were witnessing history. And I mean, it, it, we really did. I mean, this is the first foreign movie to ever win Best, best Picture. picture. Yeah. And it's so well deserved, by uh-huh. the way, despite what, jokers on the internet might what oh might tell you notice like, how saying, joker wasn't on our top 10 list anyway. screw joker no we don't uh-uh. like joker no we still got the joker episode coming so we don't got worry. the joker <laughs> we got the joker <laughs> episode <laughs> <laughs> yes but anyway no um parasite yeah ba- masterpiece probably yes most definitely i, I don't like using the term perfect too much to describe anything, but I you'd be hard pressed to find a flaw I know in Parasite. Yeah. I think it's just one of the most beautifully made movies ever made and I will watch it a hundred more times in this yeah, life, probably. Honestly, yeah. I'll on my deathbed I'll tell him, put on Parasite Please, real quick. Put it on. I can't read so good anymore, but <laughs> I think I have the dialogue. I think memorized, memorized enough, point. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um there's and there's so many like we can't get into all of it possibly right now but there's so many things in parasite that just like little 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 things like that i got pointed out to like the fact that in the scene um well no spoilers in the scene there's uh, some people a character impersonating a north korean um news announcer and my professor actually pointed out to me that is actually bong joon ho uh kind of making a ref saying that they're probably He's in the movie. They talk about he's trying to get away from the loan sharks. He theorizes that it's not really loan sharks. They they escape North Korea because nobody in South Korea knows what a North Korean news announcer sounds like. That's oh. just not something they know. So it's little things like that that That's make its way into the movie, and that makes me just get the jitters. You know, like I love this movie um, so much. Yeah, without without saying too much, I mean. This is one of the most interesting movies about like classism mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Like mm-hmm. I think a lot of movies will hit you over the head with like, oh, it's rich versus poor, and I think this is one of the most tastefully done 
movies about that. I think even Joker, which came out the same year, um, kind of hit you a little too over the head with yeah, like, with the, oh, the, the rich are bad. Yeah, and we live so, in a society kind like, of thing. Like, it didn't have anything <laughs> interesting to say about yeah. it. And I, I think that Parasite, oddly, had a lot more to mm-hmm. say about how American society works than... A lot of movies that even came out here. I think why Parasite works so well talking about class, like warfare pretty much, is that the rich people are not vilified in this movie. Mm -hmm. They're kind of on the same, they're not on the same playing field, you know, economically obviously, but like, you know, they kind of have the same, they're just people in different, you know, echelons, I guess, but... I, I rooted for both families, honestly, yeah. watching the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, uh, I don't know, it's very, like what you said, it's tastefully done. Um, I don't think we'll see another movie like this. This uh, feels like one in a million, an yeah. instant classic. Like, instant. I don't, I don't think that you, I mean, you could argue for The Lighthouse or something else being your favorite movie of 2019, but yeah. Parasite better be one of your favorites, because... Yeah. There's just no denying this is greatness. I this don't know. Is... I don't know any of my film friends that did not put Parasite on their top like three. <laughs> like it's, it's a masterpiece. I love Definitely. that movie so much. Yes, and in uh, and in 2021, I hope we get more movies like it. Truly. Yeah, true. I, I really do. This was a dark year. Um, I think I saw Sonic the Hedgehog. Onward and The Boy 2 in theaters. That was it. <laughs> I saw The Grudge and The Gentleman in theaters, and that was it. So, so uh, yeah, the crappy January releases. The Boy especially was... I, I never even saw The Boy 1. I couldn't tell you if that was a masterpiece of horror or anything. I doubt no, it. it's not. I, me and Luke saw it in theaters a few years ago. It's not. It's not. It's just... the Haunted Dolls. Sonic the Hedgehog, like, give give me something better. Literally, in twenty twenty one, I would yeah. love to return to the theater in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I hope we get to. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, because twenty nineteen was such a, I was so hopeful for twenty twenty after twenty nineteen. You know, like I was like, it's just an amazing year for film. Um, probably the best year since nineteen ninety nine. Um, but yeah, and then we got twenty twenty, but. Looking forward to 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, we'll have a best of the 2021 year list uh, in this podcast next year. So, we're gonna sign off with the ultimate fingers crossed. Okay, yes, the ultimate. We're giving you all the vibes all for your next vibes. year. Yes, as you go into it, we're hoping for your success, but mainly for the world's because it really fucking sucks. <laughs> I know, year. right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was our. Give us your 2019 rankings, or if you've seen enough films uh, in 2020, give us your... Nerd. You'd have to be such a nerd to have seen enough (laughs) films this year. Freaking nerd. Yeah, it's not like we have a film podcast or anything. (laughs) Let us know in the comments if you're on YouTube, or just text us if you know That's true. (laughs) Or on Twitter. Trying to be more active on Twitter. Yeah. Either way. Um, We're on the meads. The social meads. The social meads. (laughs) Anyway, I don't have a bit to end this one, um, so. I'm trying to think of something. I don't really have a bit either. Just like 2020 didn't have anything for us. Exactly. We don't have anything for you. Bye. Bye.